Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the Sports Animals, on ESPN Honolulu. Aloha Friday with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Chris Hart. And a big weekend, of course, for sports fans. I mean, the Super Bowl is about as big as it gets. So a lot going on to talk about in the NFL. Got some uh, really interesting headlines to start with. And I guess we can start with the high school boys basketball. We have the championship set for tonight. And a little surprise, I guess. I thought it was going to be a little bit different, but we do have St. Louis winning on one side and over Montalua last night. And the other game, a double overtime, Campbell High School. What a role, what a season. And they are playing as well in the state championship game after beating Marinola in double overtime. Yeah, that was a very exciting game. I... Uh, Happened to catch some of the uh, St. Louis uh, Moana Lua uh, game and Pupu Sepulona, man, 21 points. You know, if he could, if, if he was better at the foul line, that'd be closer to 30 points. He was uh, totally, totally dominant. Uh, St. Louis over uh, Moana Lua, wow, the final score ended up being 47 to 34. It wasn't, it was a lot closer earlier in the game, but uh, St. Louis really blew it open in the second quarter. Yeah, they, they are the defending state champs, and uh, I guess people Yeah, the defending state champs, but they, all their all their players, starters, graduated last year. That's what the, that was a, that's a crazy thing here. And Poo who you talk about, is only a sophomore, by the way, so he's got a couple more years left. Uh, even more scary for the other ILH teams. It should be a great game tonight. But, yeah, St. Louis, you know, I, again, I just followed the score online last night and think, seeing how they were seemingly in control in that game, where the other game was just the opposite going to double overtime. Well, it was just the second quarter. The rest of the game was very, very close. It was, you got to hand it to Moanalua, very well-coached team uh, and uh, really good players. That, 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 uh, that gym was rocking. And, you know, there is a little bit of a, when it comes down to a you know a playoff game, and you're at home, because I always say that being on the road in high school basketball in Hawaii is no real big thing. But that was about an eighty percent crowd because they're playing at Moanalua, so uh, they right, were right. a rockin'. So you guys at uh, Moanalua, great season for you. Campbell Sabers beat Marinol forty-six to thirty-eight. Ouch! A very, I don't know if it was a very unoffensive or a very defensive first half for both teams. But uh, that was a, uh, gosh, that's a double overtime game. Yeah, And he only 46 to 38 in double overtime. Man. Yeah, not a high-scoring game. 13-10 at halftime. And I saw that uh, Marino played the entire starting unit the whole first half. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe fatigue might have been a factor in the first or second, or well, maybe in the second overtime, I should say. 
that's a lot of points to lose by in double overtime. I, and I didn't see the minutes, but knowing that the starters played so much in the first half, uh, I just wonder if that might have been a call, an effect in that second overtime for Marino. Because I, th- I thought they would win for some reason. I know Campbell had a great year, and they still kept it going. I mean, this is fantastic what they've been able to accomplish this year. All right, the, uh, on the Division Two side, it was the uh, University Junior Bows over the Kauai Red Raiders, 56 to 45. And the other semifinal game uh, had Kohala over HBA, uh, 61 to 45. So your championship game is going to be against the University Junior Bows and the Kohala Cowboys. All right. Uh, so well, there's your uh, basketball action uh, set on the high school side. In the Heidi and Cook HHSAA Boys Basketball Championship once again uh, tonight. And uh, we'll have those games on e- uh, CBS 1500. Yeah, nothing like high school basketball. This will be at Stan Sher- the Stan Sheriff Center tonight. And I'm pr- pretty sure they'll have a pretty good crowd there. I know St. Louis has a lot of fans who are seeing some of the videos online on our site on uh, Instagram, seeing the St. Louis fans the last couple of nights. A lot of students showing up for them, even though it was a road game last night. Well, it was. I mean, they had their own section, but it was about 80% more on Alua. Let's see. The Motivate Foundation HHSAA Boys Soccer State Championships uh, tournament going on. Uh, on the Division One side, Mililani beat Keikaulike. I guess we don't say King Keikaulike anymore. But uh, Mililani, uh, the number one seed, uh, defeated Keikaulike 2 to nothing. Uh, Jaden Sotelo and Kai Martin with those scores for the Trojans. Uh, number four, Hilo beat Punahou one to nothing. Michael DeCoito, the third, with a goal for the Vikings. Uh, let's see. Number two, Iolani beats Waikea 3-2. to two. Goals scored uh, from the Big Island team, uh, Azia Nelson, Tevin Atwell. Sorry, Mr. Nelson, if I got that wrong. Uh, for the Raiders, Caleb Abara and John Butzkowitz uh, scored there. Also, uh, Kalani beat Baldwin 3 to nothing. Uh, Shane Fuse, Chase Kaetsu, and Ethan Center all scoring for the Falcons. On the Division Two side, it was KS Hawaii beating Wailua 3 to 1. Seabury beat Roosevelt two to nothing, and uh, let's see, it was the um, it was Island beating McKinley eleven to one. Is that Island School? I would. I just see it. My uh, my information from the HHSAA just reads Island, but uh, anyway, congratulations. Uh, Pack five beat Hawaii Prep two to one. So you're all caught up with what went on yesterday in Hawaii Prep sports. Uh, really, the big news this morning in fight news. You see that, huh? Yeah, Max Holloway. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool to have him back. It's been a while. I was almost, you know, thinking about his last fight. I can't even remember. It's just been a really big gap for him. But I'm glad he's gotten back and hopefully getting some victory. Yeah, he last fought. Yeah, big headline in the Star Advertiser this morning. Last fought in July. Uh, t- uh, Holloway is 23-7. and seven. He's, 50, he's won 15 consecutive bouts. I'm reading from the uh, from the newspaper. He has won 15 consecutive bouts against featherweights, not named Volkanovski. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Max Holloway back at it, April 15th, and uh, he's going to be fighting a guy named uh, Alan Allen. I got that wrong. Alan Allen was a great volleyball player yeah. for the University of Hawaii, you remember back in the day. Yes, uh, yes Max is going to fight. You have it there. He is going to fight. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I... Um... 
Arnold Allen, thank you. I uh, cut and pasted, and all I got was Allen all over my uh, sheet here. Thank you. All right. Uh, it was the wind. Blame it on the wind. Uh, <laughs> Arnold Allen, a uh, guy is 19-1, 10-0 in the UFC. Uh, he's ranked number four at the 145-pound uh, division. And uh, so anyway, uh, Allen, two years younger than Max at uh, 29 years old. I can't, man, Max Holloway's 31 already. It seems like he's been fighting for 20 years. But uh, we look forward to that. It's going to be a, an ESPN uh, Plus broadcast. I think it's going to be uh, originate from Kansas. But uh, Max Holloway getting back into the octagon. That's big news. One of our headlines we're following today. It is game day for the Rainbow Warrior men's volleyball team. They're on the road against Stanford. Stanford number eight in the country right now. And with Hawaii playing a couple of weeks ago in Carolinas and having a really I don't know, maybe they wouldn't say it, but a pretty easy time with those schools. This will be different. Uh, Stanford did drop a, a couple of spots in the poll. Still a really good volleyball <laughs> team, a really good test. Still getting ready for conference play. This is a team that lost to CSUN, one of the Big West opponents. But I think it's going to be a lot tougher, a lot closer than it was a couple of weeks ago. Did you say that you, that you didn't want to say an easy time? What did you say? Well, they didn't I mean, have an easy time? I know time? the team will never say there's no such thing as an easy match or an easy opponent. But, I mean, when you look at those three matches in the Carolinas with a lot of the reserves playing and still dominating as much as they were, this this will be an upgrade in opponents. Yeah. But it was, they did have an easy time. <laughs> yeah, You're not okay. on the team, so you can say it, right, Gary. Right. It's okay. okay, okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rainbow Warrior and Rainbow Wahine, big winners yesterday against uh, UC San Diego. Let's start with the Rainbow Wahine uh, they are on the road, and they, uh, let's see, which one is which? UFC Hawaii at San Diego. Here we go. Um, University of Hawaii, 61, UCSD, 58. In San Diego, the Wahine come from behind with a depleted squad, and uh, that's what's most impressive about this win for the Rainbow Wahine. I mean, they are they are shorthanded, but they pulled out a come-from-behind victory on the road. Got to be proud. Oh, I think that's great. But also remember, this is the team that has defeated Hawaii three times in a row. That's twice right. last year. And the game earlier this season is when Hawaii had a really big lead at home and ended up losing this game. So the fact that you can beat this team with missing those three players on the road really shows a lot. And you're down at halftime 45-31. I thought it was going to be a really tough one. In that second half, though, they were, as you said, dominant in that game, especially in the third quarter, 20-8. to But overall, 40-23 to in that second half. And that was really impressive. They held on at the end. I couldn't believe that when they they were trailing by 16 at one point, and then we were doing countdown the tip off Jerome DeRosier and myself, and we see the next thing you know they're down by two and up by three. That was great. It was great that they could hold on. They also tie UC San Diego in the standings now. That's important too to look at. All right, so the um, um, the Rainbow White they tie UC San Diego in the um, in the standings. Oh, okay. So uh, both teams eight and five in Big West play. Hawaii improves to ten and twelve overall. Uh, UC San Diego drops to eleven and twelve. Uh, on the men's side, Hawaii of course uh, beats UC San Diego sixty-nine to sixty-two. Uh, San Diego falls to three and ten in conference play. Hawaii improves to nine and four. But again. It's something that, you know, you're, you're maybe a little disappointed. Again, another game with a tale of two halves. they got to cut that out if they're going to win any championship this year. Beginning of the game, they're down 17-5. to 
yeah. early on, and I did not have a good feel. You see San Diego is hitting their shots, and Hawaii wasn't, of course. When you look at that score, they just looked to be a more uh, aggressive team, a quicker team. And uh, I think Hawaii got an early wake-up call in that game. They did close it up to six at ha- right at halftime where McClanahan made a shot. It's like the third home game I've seen in the last month where Hawaii's had a shot right before halftime. And that gives them a little momentum for the second half. And I was well, hoping and that would be the case last shot? Who hit that shot? Clutch McClanahan. McClanahan. Yes, yes, nice shot. And another, you know, he just makes shots that he shouldn't be making or used to not be able to make. So impressed with him all the time. He did have a little bit of an uncharacteristic night turnover-wise with four. But in that second half, Samut Avea erupted, Noel Coleman erupted, and Hawaii went on a 15-0 run and never looked back. They were down 38-32, made that run to start the half, and uh, they did hold on because San Diego got close uh, a couple of times late in that game, and it did look like they looked like they were not going away. But I'm glad Hawaii was able to win in a very important game in conference play to maintain their place in the standings, and they are still tied for third, but Long Beach State drops out of third. It's now Hawaii and Riverside in third place. Uh, Francis uh, Walcori. Uh, for San Diego, scored 25 points. He was impressive. Uh, we were all his fans, focused on Bryce Pope, who had a quiet night, uh, just 10 points. I believe, if I'm not wrong, we have like four points in halftime. Yes. But, the uh, boy, that number 35, um, he played like number 35 in the NBA. Uh, he was a very, very good player. Um, you know, I was wondering... It seemed like Bernardo De Silva wasn't really involved in the offense. And I saw them, you know, going down, trying to get, um, you know, Kamaka Hepa to kind of work with his back to the basket a lot. And they didn't use De Silva that way. And I, I was curious why. Well, he was getting double teamed a lot when he got the ball down low. And at halftime, he didn't even take a field goal attempt, which was really right. notable as well. But the second half, but, I thought he but played. But Hepa was as well, though. A lot of the, the, the bigs, they always seem to get double teamed when you get the ball down low. People crack, you know, your help defense comes. Because that was what was happening to Hepa. Uh, Hepa. I just think De Silva is a little stronger than the uh, than Kamaka Hepa. I thought they would have tried uh, tried him at that. Well, they did more in the second half. And I, you know, I'm glad at least Bernardo De Silva didn't force things. And sometimes you might want him to be more aggressive. I think he did a great job in the boards all game long. Also trying to find the open player. Kamaka Hepa, it's mentioned every now and then lately that, you know, he's trying to expand his game and be a low post player here and there. But that's something we really don't see with him. Uh, I don't think that's his strength either. He's such a good outside shooter. He can penetrate a little bit. But you don't really see him posting too many people up and making some moves down low. But still, and an off game for him. He had 29, remember, last Saturday. And he had an early basket in this game in that first half. And that was it for Kamaka, just three points. Yeah, uh, but... um... You know, it. You know, you always gotta. You always gotta account for him. So it's. Uh, you know, he still contributes that way. Uh, here's a uh, Zor Ned. Stop shooting three pointers, please. Now he had a couple. One was rushed. Not his game, though. Uh, we saw a little bit of a coming out party. I guess Harry Aruliadef was listening to Artie Wilson talk about yesterday on the air about offensively how he's kind of maybe st- taking a step back. Now well, didn't take a step back tonight. Harry Aruliadef was. Uh, he was. He was tuff tough. He played he was, like a tough guy, he was and uh, he was good offensively last night. Uh, and, you know, he scored eight points in uh, almost twenty minutes, three of seven field goals. But here's a guy that I think his coming out party was was Cody Williams. We see him here and there for a few minutes in every game, and we've heard I can't remember which assistant basketball coach we've talked to, 
But, uh, you know, they say he's the most athletic guy on the team. Well, you started to kind of see that yesterday. He made his first three-pointer uh, ever of the season. He got in for 13 minutes, and uh, he shot for 100%. <laughs> two for two, one for one. But it was more than just, you know, baskets that he made. Boy, Cody Williams looked like, and maybe I'm, I hope I'm not speaking too early, but this is your future right here with Cody Williams and Harry Ruliadef. We got to see a little bit, a little bit of a coming out party for those guys last night. Well, Ruliadef did this earlier in the season. It wasn't like right, but he hasn't for a while. But he hasn't played much. He's been hurt. Right, right, right. Now he gets a little bit more expanded minutes, especially with Beyond Riley out uh-huh. last night. He got called yeah. on earlier than normal, and he did do a good job. It was back-to-back threes in that first half, and that uh-huh. was important to get Hawaii again within range of six at halftime. He did play a good game. I like his passing. He had a nice pass down low and, give, I think, gave it up right to, I think it was Bernardo cutting to the basket. I, I like his, his court sense when he's especially down low in the post, and he made those two threes without hesitation, which was great to see again. Yeah, it was awesome, but uh, wouldn't you agree that uh, you look at that and you get a little glimpse of what Hawaii's going to look like in the coming years? I, I can, you can see that with Rulia Def early on. With Cody Williams, that was the most impressive, of course, where he looked. And, it, you know, the three-pointer was nice. He also had that play where he drove to the basket, and I could see what he was anticipating with this, with the angle there, made the basket and got the foul. That was good. You could see how smart he was with anticipating and making sure he had a little space there. So that was nice to see as well. Didn't hurt, didn't hurt the team in any way with zero turnovers. So, yeah, it was nice to have him off the bench was Justice Jackson still struggling to get back to 100%. He didn't see the court last night. Yeah, and uh, well, you know what? This hour, we're going to give away some Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets for Saturday night against Cal State Fullerton. So keep listening for that here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, we're the guys that bring you the really big road show. It's the really big road show number eight already. February 22nd, 5 to 7 p.m. at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Stay tuned. We're going to have some great live-on-location guests. We give away great prizes, too, and you can also choose from about 100 taps. Heineken and Dosecki's on special, and, of course, they got, you know that, they got the Supa Ono Pupu over at uh, Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. So keep listening for details. Keep listening if you want to win Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets for Saturday night. Stephen St. John from Sports Radio 810 WHB. He's also on the uh, number one TV station in Kansas City. He's going to join us in less than 10 minutes. And um, last, we're still talking about uh, last night's uh, victory by the Rainbow Warrior basketball team uh, at the Stan Sheriff Center. Hawaii does beat UC San Diego 69 to 62 once again the wahine come from behind and beat the tritons on the road 61 to 58 but um it was a you know a tale of two halves again for the rainbow warriors what did iran Gannat have to say after the game with josh pacheco and Derek lowe let's listen to his comments right now ron Gannat's going to join us here at our uh, at our broadcast position again hawaii 69 UC San Diego 62 to keep Hawaii in a tie for uh, third place here in the Big West Conference. Coach, this this game had a lot of emotion, especially in that second half as you made that rally back. Take us through what you said uh, from halftime and all the way through in that second half that helped to, to engineer that, well, what you can't say, to help engineer that comeback 
and see this team have that lift that was needed to pull through? Well, I mean, we all know that it starts with them, so there's no engineering coming from me. I might try to help here and there on my staff. It was awesome, and the guys have a lot of pride. So it was pretty simple, though, that we got to take on the challenge a lot better. In the first half and uh, defensively, that was really bad. They really got whatever they wanted. Um, we, we knew, and, and you guys know when a team has five shooters and spreads you out with five ball carriers, we've been really good and locked in on them over the years. And we knew even after the games, like, hey, we did a great job. we got to keep doing that. Today was like opposite of every time we played them. They got into the paint. They hit the pops. Their five, obviously, um, 35 torched us. Um, and, and so we had to weather that a little bit. I will say, though, that in the second half, that was our defense, other than Maybe the worst two-minute defending the three stretch we've had in years because we defend the three so well, and they had four threes while we were executing offensively. So we were fortunate um, to play really well overall in the second half um, to get a lift. Obviously, we're, we got some guys out already. We don't need another one, and we had one today. But, you know, I thought um, Cody was incredible. Um, but our guys have come to expect that if you see how he works and goes about it, and he's getting more confidence. And then Harry gave us a lift. Um, those guys being in those kind of games as freshmen, I was saying that after the game, what a great experience for you two that all of us would have killed for as freshmen. And so that will certainly help them moving forward, even the ups and downs of it. Um, but kind of the, the whole deal at the half was, you know, challenging and, and responding to challenges. You know, like we're going to challenge you and you better want that. If you don't want that from me, your teammate, then we got bigger problems. And to their credit, they stepped up. I thought uh, Samuta had a, a better second half and certainly a great way to finish the game. And late in the game, when you know you have to take care of the ball and make free throws, they did both. We hit everyone, and uh, that's a good quality to have. Let's talk about Cody as he's getting the uh, television treatment right now. He has really earned the opportunity to play more minutes, and I know you just look for consistency. It doesn't necessarily have to be the points. It's just being steady, giving what you can. He gets his first three this season. He goes to the free throw line for the first time. I know you've talked about his defense quite a bit. This was a really a, a, a show-out night for him. Yeah, and I think the guys know. And Look, again, a young guy getting to go against Vaughn and Noel every day, just like when I think we had Brock Steptoe going against uh, Rod and Quincy. If you're tough enough, that will really help you long-term. And, you know, that's what he's doing. He's fearless. He's tough. He's physical. He's strong. So he's really a nightmare defensively because he can guard one-on-one and ball screens. He's hard to screen. And then the offense has been coming because he puts so much work into it. He gets into the paint. He's probably our quickest guy. He gets to two feet um, and plays slow in the paint. But he's been working on that shot. And when that comes and adds to the other dimensions, it's going to be fun. That's why you coach, to watch these guys grow. And Harry's had somewhat of an up-and-down conference play. Obviously was sick for a couple weeks and had to work his way back. Um, But he had big threes and a good shooter for us. So, you know, we're going to – I said it before this, we're going to need everybody to get this done because you might have a guy out or off or a foul trouble. And we had a little bit of everything today. Well, Coach, um, can you walk us through, you know, in the first half, you know, when uh, San Diego was getting a lot of their um, ball screen action, right? I mean, you guys do a good job already of fighting over and really trailing and locking in, and you guys usually play that flat show. But, you know, I think they were dragging it out and hitting their pop, right? Was there confusion on who is to get back quick? We were just not doing it well on either. We've, over the last three weeks, you've noticed we've mixed in uh, our drop coverage and our show coverage. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we need to continue to rep out. But when you set up, when you're in your shows, and the guy gets balanced out a step, you've done your job. Like get back. And so we were just too far up. First, they were getting into the paint against not really good drops. And usually, we're point of attack so good because Javon 
uh, doesn't get screened. Noel doesn't get screened. But the combination of those two so got him deeper in the paint and against a popping five. You know, usually you stop him maybe at the elbow and you can recover. You stop him at the hash mark near the block, and that's a tough recovery. So we went to mixing up some more shows. And then later where we got a little better is we started to show first step like you should when you balance him out. You have to stay when the guy's, you know, you got to guard the ball. But if you've balanced him out a step or two, you're gone. So they exposed us in that area for sure. And that's why I give them a lot of credit. They did a good job. They We haven't really – um, last time we played them, they had the big fellow in there who's, who's a roll guy, and then we had about half the game of the pop. The last couple of years, we played the fifth full game of the pop with the five, which is a different deal. Usually you might see them at the four. So um, they've done that. Like I said, <laughs> you're going in. I'm worried about it. They're getting 50, 45, 50 points against Irvine at the half with the same stuff, and then you go, well, good, we'll lock in and guard, and we didn't. So I got to do better. We got to do better. We got exposed there and give our guys credit for making enough adjustments in the second and doing better on the offensive end. How did it click for Sabuta Vea? I, I know it was it was not the easiest start, but it it definitely changed. And that second half was was one of the most energetic second halves I think we have seen from him in an all around perspective. Where well, did you see that change? Maybe he took on the challenge. You know, I think that's a, a credit to him. You know, you know, you can challenge guys, but then they have to take it on, and they took it on, and he took it on, and he's responded before. I don't think he was happy with his play in the first half. We he got beat on some fifty fifty balls, and we called him out for it, and he rightfully so. And that's kind of the deal. Like we say when everybody, we're going to call each other out for stuff and hold each other accountable. And I don't care if it's February or whatnot because we got to keep getting better. But to his credit, he kept coming. And I think one of the big differences was he made the 50-50 balls in the second half. He got on the offensive boards. He got in transition, um, made some hustle plays for us, started to defend better. So, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that. I think, you know, I think coaches might get too much, for sure get too much credit. That's a because he's a great kid who's got a lot of character and, and it matters to him. Noel Coleman, my last one is, is Noel Coleman's offensive burst as everything was kind of coming together. It was good to see Noel. We talked before uh, earlier this morning after walkthrough about Noel kind of finding his rhythm and, and he did, certainly didn't force it and he certainly seemed comfortable as he was raining threes in the second half. Yeah, and he and he picked a moment too because we had some guys, we're navigating foul trouble with enough guys out so we were mixing Maka and Bernardo and put Harry and um, and that was Noel took it on to make some big plays. Those step backs, I remember those. And I kept telling you, like, the onslaught's coming for him. But I think, one of the, as we all know, one of the biggest things is he shot an open three, got the rebound, and shot it again. And some guys wouldn't shoot that. So we tell well, I will say forever, he has the green light for life. And, and he has our confidence, and he should. Um, if he, the onslaught's coming from Noel, and it came at a critical time today. Coach, we'll see you Saturday Thank night. You. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ron Gannat last night uh, courtside with uh, Derek Lowe and Josh Pacheco. What a blessing it is to have a guy like Derek Lowe on your basketball staff here at the radio station, man. Anyway, good job, boys, last night. It's 634 uh, with the sports animals. Uh, today's weather, much like yesterday's. We'll get a traffic update momentarily. Be careful out there. It's uh, got some dangerous situations. Now, Coming up after our Super Bowl guest next, we will be giving away Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. Keep listening for that on ESPN Honolulu. Just a reminder here, too, that Dixie Grill in IAEA has the best happy hour on the island. 32-ounce Bud Lights or Stella Artois, just $6 for the big 32-ouncer. Jack Daniels and Jameson, uh, also 6 bucks. Great poo-poo, like fried crab stuffed deviled eggs. I keep bringing that up. 
peel and eat shrimp and a lot more calipari and stuff. It's uh, lots of people's favorites down there. Life is too short to sit in traffic. Head to happy hour at Dixie Grill. We'll have another traffic update momentarily here on ESPN Honolulu. It's the Sports Animals. And uh, looky, looky here. The Aloha Kia hotline is winking at us. And we've got a pretty important football game. We're getting closer and closer, a little over 48 hours away before Super Bowl 57. Let's get the, uh, the insight from the Kansas City Chiefs side as we are joined now. He is the host of the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB and 38th Spot KMCI-TV in Kansas City. Joining us once again, Stephen St. John. Stephen, great to have you on again. And I think a lot of people up here in Kansas City and around the country are wondering about the ankle the high ankle sprain for Patrick Mahomes. We're hearing good reports. What is the latest? You know, the ankle has, has uh, really not been an issue in the week leading up to the game. You saw him play in that AFC Championship game, and it bothered him a little bit, but he has said that uh, there's, there's been no sharp pain during practice. He's been a full participant uh, at practice this week. said there's still some soreness, and Andy Reid said that you know he's been able to do everything that he needs to do within the playbook. And so uh, this extra week, this extra week of rest between the championship game and the Super Bowl, I think, has really benefited the Chiefs. And I think you're going to see uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, even closer to 100% than you saw in the championship game. Now, he may still not run as much as he has in the past, but look, the championship game with the game on the line, he was able to run for a first down and, and draw that uh, – that late hit, and so um, I think that uh, I think I think Mahomes and the ankle won't be as big of a story as it was in the championship game. I think he's uh, getting closer and closer to 100. percent Yeah, bye week really really helps him, of course, and of course he is the MVP as we found out last night. Not a big shock there, but it shows what a great season and career he has had. One of the things I look at, Stephen, getting ready for the Super Bowl is. You're trying to pick who's going to win and who has the advantage. I also think, and I wonder, I guess, I want to get your thoughts on the coaching experience. Andy Reid's been in Super Bowls. He's a more experienced head coach. Nick Sirianni has you know, not really not been a head coach in this situation at all. Do you think that comes into play much? Absolutely. With everything from, you know, the detailed planning of, of uh, you know, being able to, to get your work done and not be – distracted by everything at, at the Super Bowl once you get there in Arizona, uh, to scheduling your practices, to understanding the, all the time commitments, and still, like I said, being able to get your work done. I think that's huge. Andy Reid, I mean, this is now his fourth Super Bowl after going to one with the Eagles, and this is his third with the Chiefs. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. Steve Spagnuolo, he has won three Super Bowl rings as a defensive coordinator. He's one of the most decorated, experienced defensive coordinators, and he got to start with Andy Reid with the Eagles working under the famed defensive coordinator Jim Johnson. And so uh, experience absolutely in the favor of the Chiefs when it comes to the head coach and the coaching staff. And, look, if you, if, if, if you agree with, with what I think, and I think that the two most important things uh, to have the advantage in a football game are the head coach and the quarterback, uh, the Chiefs have the advantage, a good advantage, in both of those areas, I believe. 
Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes has done good against really good defenses. He did well against San Francisco, of course, where Jalen Hurts hasn't exactly had the same success against strong defenses. So I think about that. I also look at the fact that you've got for Philadelphia, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, the Kansas City Chiefs have let up the second most receiving yards in the NFL this year, two rookie cornerbacks this week. What do you think about that part of the equation as far as Jalen Hurts and his arm maybe trying to beat Philadelphia, uh, trying to beat Kansas City with those two receivers? Well, I and I'll you know we we talk about Mahomes' ankle. I think that Jalen Hurts' shoulder is going to be a bigger storyline than than Mahomes' ankle. Is he going to be as willing to run as much as he has in the past before that injury? And can he make all the throws that he needs to make, uh, especially downfield throws? But look, this defense, uh, this secondary, they went out and signed Justin Reed to replace Tyron Matthew. Then they go and draft four rookies in the secondary. And they all play a lot. And you still got holdovers in Juan Thornhill and Legereus Need. They were terrific against Cincinnati. And to be honest with you, I think they answered all the questions there because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, I know uh, Boyd left the game early, but, I mean, that, that, that one-two punch of, of receivers right there is just as good, maybe even better than A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith. And so th- this, what they lack in experience, they make up for in speed, in athleticism, and they're no longer rookies. They've grown up now, but it has been amazing. And then if you factor in George Karloftis, the rookie defensive end, who started every game, they've got a lot of rookies on that defensive side of the football, but it seems like they've come together and they're playing their best football at the right time of the year. We're talking Kansas City Chiefs football with Stephen St. John. He's the host of the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Also at 38 The Spot, KMCI-TV in Kansas City. Joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. We see that Philadelphia, of course, had maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. Frank Clark, Chris Jones have done a great job getting to the quarterback, doing a great job in the postseason. What about that standoff there in the trenches there with those two defensive ends? And then you see also what the Kansas City, uh, the Philadelphia offense the line's been able to do? Well, number one, you're going to see them move Chris Jones around and try to create uh, a, a matchup advantageous for the Chiefs. And if you remember, uh, when the game was tied against Cincinnati and it was third down and the Bengals had the ball in a tie game with a couple of minutes left, they moved Chris Jones out to defensive end on third down and he got that big sack against Joe Burrow that gave the Chiefs the ball back. Frank Clark, if he gets one sack in this Super Bowl, he becomes the second all-time leading sacker in NFL postseason history, which is unbelievable, only behind Willie McGinnis. And so he plays his best football in the postseason. But, and, and I mentioned the rookie, George Karloftis, who's really started to come on. But I think the interesting matchup for Steve Spagnuolo is his willingness to blitz different players. Legereus Sneed is a wonderful blitzer from his defensive back position. He likes to blitz uh, Willie Gay and or Nick Bolton. He will blitz Justin Reed. He will blitz uh, Watson. He'll blitz Williams. He, that's another reason why it was so important to replenish that secondary because Spags likes to play with a lot of defensive backs, and it gives him the versatility to bring blitzes from very exotic locations, all lo- not as exotic as Hawaii, but exotic locations all over the field. And that's going to be one of the key matchups to watch, how Spags creates pressure on top of what he's already going to have with Chris Jones and Carl Loftus and Frank Clark in his front four, because I think he's going to blitz the heck out of Jalen Hurts. 
perfect setup with the two number one seeds coming to the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl. The Andy Reid connection, of course, the Kelsey brothers. Should be a fantastic Super Bowl 57 on Sunday. Stephen, thanks again for joining us and talking Chiefs football. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully I can come on next week and talk about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I'll be happy <laughs> yeah, to do it. I know. That's the plan. Let's plan on that. That's right. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm sure Chiefs fans would love to have that, and I've uh, still seen it either way as far as who could win, but some interesting thoughts on the Chiefs. As Stephen St. John joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. All right, and, uh, you know, and that's a that's a great perspective from the Chiefs' side of the ball. Uh, you know, I wonder what today <laughs> – when you ask the same questions to an Eagles guy, because there's a headline on one of the articles at ESPN.com, and it puts it, it's so this is what we're looking at with the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. You have, uh, let's see, I want to make sure I read it right. You have uh, exactly, um, you've got one team is a juggernaut, the other has Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes kind of evens everything out, but man, you can talk all you want about Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones and stuff like that, but, man, that Eagles defensive line and the defense the Eagles have, they are scary good, especially, you know, somebody like Hassan Reddick. I mean, well, Hassan Reddick, it's like, what are the Cardinals thinking? He's on the Cardinals. They're like, nah, we don't want to pick up your fifth-year option. And he goes to the – he signs a one-year uh, a, a one contract with the uh, Carolina Panthers – and then he ends up on Philadelphia. It's like, man, that guy, that, that guy is a difference maker. He's had a great playoff so far as well. And I, I, I mean, I know Philadelphia's had that great defense, but go going back to Frank Clark and Chris Jones, that is about as good as it gets as well. They've done really well in the playoff, not only this year but in previous years. But again, against that Eagles offensive line, that's going to be a great matchup to watch, especially early on. Right. I don't even want to watch the ball during this, uh, during these, uh, uh, because it is going to be decided in the trenches. But no, don't get me wrong. Kansas City has two really good defensive linemen. The Philadelphia Eagles have seven. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, you know what? Let's do this giveaway. Call in now at 808 296 1420 if you want to go to the Rainbow Warrior basketball game. Caller number three, the tickets are yours. It's Saturday against. Cal State Fullerton at the Stan Sheriff Center. Free tickets, free tickets. Caller number three, they're yours. And uh, speaking of things coming up, Disney, hey, listen to this, parents. And I I know Gary's a big fan, too. Disney Junior live on tour (laughs) is coming March 18th and 19th at the Blaisdell Concert Hall. All your kids' favorite Disney friends will be there, along with Marvel's Spidey and his amazing friends. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. All right, congratulations. Mike from Diamond Head called in and won the tickets. More for you to score, as the hot rock and flame throwing DJs would say. Coming up next hour on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, happy National Umbrella Day today. Uh, we got more wind in the forecast. I was driving up in Manoa yesterday morning, and those power lines were swaying back and forth. Very scary. I wish that if you were able to, uh, I would hope that if you're able to work remotely today, 
that the bosses would let folks stay home. Just too many power lines and phone poles and trees falling over. It's nuts. All right, top headlines coming up next with the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman, Chris Hart, Sports Animals on this Aloha Friday morning on ESPN Honolulu. Just so much going on. I love these kind of weekends. And, of course, it's going to be a different feeling come Sunday night. I don't really, not that I don't care who wins. I don't have a dog in the fight. But once football's over, at least we have the XFL coming, so there'll be more excitement. But football and the NFL, at least, will be coming to a close for a few months. Of course, the draft and everything else, combine, free agency will be cool. But also with so many basketball games. And let's start with that. Uh, high school basketball, the boys' championship game coming up tonight at Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center. D1 matchup, number one seed St. Louis against number two seed Campbell. We were talking yesterday about Wanalua advancing to the semis as the number six team out of the OIA to get in. And you don't see a lot of upsets in high school basketball. Right now you've got the two number one seeds, uh, the top two seeds, excuse me, playing for the championship. And I'm hoping it's a close game. And we've had some great basketball this week. So it'll be interesting and fun to watch and listen to tonight. We'll have the championship action on CBS 1500, both D1 and D2 championships tonight. You know, I think they do see some upsets once in a while. I think Campbell upsetting Marinol. I think even though Campbell, Campbell was the number one two seed because they're in the OIA, but uh, that was an upset beating Marinol yesterday. You got to, you got to, you got, you got to admit to that. Debatable, I guess. Sure, I know Marinol had a great year. They were number one in the state for seemingly almost half of January, if not more. And they had a great run. St. Louis, of course, you know, beat them down the stretch to get the number one seed in the bye. Uh, but, yeah, Marino did have a great team. And I, I just really enjoy watching Campbell, everything I've seen about them and read about them. First OIA championship, and to get to this far, get this far is great. I, I just hope it's an exciting close game. And if it goes overtime, that's fine as well. All right. Uh, Max Holloway returns to the Octagon. Yes. and that's Coming be- up April 15th, Max Holloway. Uh, 23 and seven. He's 19 and seven in conference play. <laughs> Joking. Anyway, uh, Max Holloway, uh, 23 and seven overall. Three of those losses all coming to the same guy, Alexander Volkanovski, uh, pound for pound UFC's best fighter. But uh, Arnold Allen, who is number four uh, ranked featherweight in the UFC, guys a uh, couple of years younger but uh, shorter. Than Holloway, um, Allen is uh, 19 and one overall, 10 and 0 in the UFC. Holloway, the number one contender, by the way, so it kind of gives you a scale of who Max is fighting. But this is a, Max's first fight since uh, July, so um, it's coming up. It's going to be at a. Uh, it's going to be a fight night in Kansas City, April 15th. Like we said, it'll be on ESPN Plus. So if you're a subscriber. You get to uh, watch Max for free. But, uh, man, I'm stoked. That's I think that's the biggest news we got today is Max Holloway 
returning to the octagon. I do hope it gets the win, of course. I wonder if that'll lead to maybe a, a, another championship to get the another chance to get the belt again as the number one contender. Hopefully, he's getting to that point again. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but you know, you got, it's tough when you lose to the same you lose to the same guy three times in a row. How many chances do you get? But then again, after a while, Volkanovski's got to you know he's fighting everybody else. Might as well give Max another shot. You know what? I I think I'm thinking that. Max needs to come. I don't like long hair, Max. Long hair, Max. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see what his fight record is as long hair, Max. <laughs> yeah. I think long hair, Max has a losing record. I think he's. I know he's married and everything. He's, he's got his family, but it's time to get back to. Uh, it's time to get back to Ballahead, Max, because that's the mean. That's Mad Max. That's Mad Max Holloway. That's like Thunderdome stuff. Come on, Max. Max, hey, you can do it. It does seem See, like Max he's... has got all these nice tattoos. Hmm. I like just the homemade tattoos and Ballahead Max. <laughs> That's the guy. That's he's... the guy we need to see come back. He's got to be like Rocky and go up into the mountains in the snow and lift logs instead of weights in a gym and come back and face the evil Russian. Very interesting perspective on Max Holloway there. Now, when you say long-haired Max, I mean, that's, that's kind of almost subjective i guess because him having long hair is not really long just more than what he normally had when he had zero hair all right let's move on here uh we've mentioned the high school also high school soccer is going on we'll get uh we'll give you results of that coming up in a moment uh it is game day for the rainbow warrior volleyball team tiff wells is on the continent as uh people say uh getting ready for the action what time's that uh, first tip or first serve this afternoon on ESPN Honolulu. I will double check that I believe it's at 3 o'clock. All right, so you can yep. listen to it yep. this afternoon on ESPN Honolulu. And that game, the broadcast starts at 4.50. And uh, that is against Stanford. And then we'll have, of course, Rainbow Wahine softball. Cool in the gang. Facing St. Mary's from Rainbow Wahine Stadium. So that's going on. And uh, Stanford. Tough opponent this afternoon. Maybe one of the toughest ones they played. I know they've had some tough ones early on, the first homestand they did, of course. But this is going to be a tough one, and the fact that it's on the road. Again, going back to when they played in the Carolinas a little over a week ago, those opponents were road matches, which are always a little bit different, a little bit more challenging, and they were fantastic in those matches, of course. Stanford's going to be a little bit different. I'm glad they had some time off. And one difference we'll see, uh, Jakob Tella is back, and he's been out for a while. It's been like three weeks since he last played because he didn't go on that road trip. All right, uh, boy, they are riddled with injury. Not the volleyball team, but the Rainbow Wahine basketball team. They come from behind on the road to beat UC San Diego yesterday, 61-58. to Callan Spiller and Lily Wahine Kapu uh, led the team with 12 points each. Yeah, again, now they're tied for fourth place with UC San Diego. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. They split their series. But for a team that beat Hawaii three times, you didn't want to lose to them four times and then play them in the Big West tournament. Although maybe you do, actually. Maybe the players would actually prefer that. But I think that was important, just looking at that. The comeback's really important. To do that on the road 
with those players missing, really showed a lot about this team. They have no quit in them. That game did not look very promising as far as the outcome at halftime and early in the third quarter. Down by 16, 14 at the half, and to completely dominate them, uh, great to see. And I'm hoping they can get the sweep on the road. They have split every series in Big West play this year. Now they need to get a win tomorrow against Cal State Fullerton, who was just uh, well, a few games in back of them. That would put him in really good position coming up back for the homestand next week and hopefully getting closer to first place because they're not that far out of it at three games back. You're talking about the Rainbow Wahine. Boy, yes. if, they got in, if they got in first place with the injuries that they've had, that would be a uh, that, uh, coach of the year, Laura Beeman. Put down my vote right now. All right, uh, last night at Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center, it was the Rainbow Warriors, uh, another tale of two halves. Great second half. First half, ee. Hawaii beats UC San Diego, though, 69-62. to uh, Hawaii improves to 9-4 and four in Big West play. Yeah, really important game for them with seven games left and hoping to get, I think, you're closer to first place, of course, and getting that uh, first uh, regular season title. They still have a chance. The top teams won, but again, you have Long Beach State and Sa- uh, Santa Barbara playing each other, so teams are going to knock each other off. It happened last night. It'll happen over the weekend as well, and for them to play good against the team where you're missing beyond Riley, which I think is a significant loss. He's not a starter, but we well, know how important he's Well, they could certainly been. used him in the first half yesterday as well. Yeah, and there was more sector in play at all in this game, which I don't, I don't, I heard he was not hurt. I think it was more so that San Diego did not have a lot of height, a lot of size where they needed him as much. Bernardo wasn't in foul trouble. Still a little interesting that he did not play at all, especially with Beyond out. But then again, Harry Ruliadev, great to see him doing what he did in November and having those back-to-back threes in the first half were really critical. He played a really good game last night, and he's back to 100% from what I hear, which is something he wasn't for the last three weeks. You know, it's it's uh, Hawaii is a much bigger team than San Diego. I don't have the stats for the first half, but Hawaii trailed in rebounds, and they trailed badly in the maybe if, if they're played in quarters, they trailed badly in rebounds in the beginning of the game. I don't know what was going on, too, on defense in the first half with Hawaii. You know, there was a couple of pick-and-rolls where uh, the the San Diego, the Triton player, just got to the basket with nobody standing in front of him. Everyone kind of standing around the key, and this guy takes two steps, boom, unabated to the rim, and uh, either a layup or a dunk. That was crazy. They cleaned that up in the uh, second half, but I don't know if you noticed that in the first half. It was like, wow, why are these guys so wide open? I thought Iran was going to call a timeout on about three of those possessions when those guys just went right in, but it was near the media timeout, so he didn't. You mentioned the rebounds at halftime. It was 16-13, UC San Diego, and I noted with 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 11 minutes left, 10 minutes and 59 seconds left in the game, Hawaii had out-rebounded UC San Diego in the second half, 15-5 to in that first nine minutes of the second half. So that made a difference as well. They cleaned up whatever was lacking on the boards at halftime and did a much better job, and that helped their cause as well. All right, uh, elsewhere, we haven't mentioned this yet, uh, uh, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame has revealed its 2023 class, and it is Rondé Barber, corner, back from Tampa Bay. Boy, he played about 20 years, it seems. Oh, no, only 15 or 16 years. Uh, Don Coriel, uh, most notably known as the high-flying head coach of the San Diego Chargers, he did coach the Cardinals as well uh, in the 70s and through the mid-80s. I had heard, and I can't back this up and find this anywhere online, 
that Don Coriel actually spent time as a coach at Punahou School way he back did, in the day. He did coach in Hawaii. I, was, I forgot what school it was, but I remember hearing that years ago that he did actually coach. I've here. heard it, but I can't find anything. Uh, uh, I can't find anything online. I, I'll go back and look. Uh, also, make it into the class, former Bear and Cowboy Chuck Howley. I, I think he shouldn't, you know, bring up that kind of politically incorrect last name nowadays, isn't it? Chuck Howley? Hey, Howley. <laughs> Howley, boy. <laughs> I'm not being, in, I'm not being, see, I can say that and not be politically incorrect because this his time. last name is H-O-W-L-E-Y. Oh, yeah, Howley. When he makes a bad play, they're all, yeah, stupid Howley. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chuck Howley, wasn't he a Super Bowl MVP or yes. something like that? Wasn't he the only Super Bowl MVP from a losing team? Oh, that's the trivia, yes. Yes. All right, Chuck Howley, linebacker. I had no idea he had originally played for the Bears. Uh, Joe Klecko, a great day yesterday for Jets, by the way. Oh, yeah. Joe Klecko, defensive tackle from the Jets. Uh, he did finish off his career with the Colts, but what was his son's name? Oh, boy. His son played in the NFL for a little while. Anyway, uh, Darrell Revis, the cornerback for the Jets, I think that was a a foregone conclusion that Darrell Revis would be, as soon as he could, into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, gosh, he played for – I didn't realize Darrell Revis played for so many teams. I mean, he played for the Jets. You know, he, he did his little sentence with the Jets. And then, like a lot of really good Jets, he left. And <laughs> he played the first six years with the Jets, then went to the Bucks for a year, Patriots for a year, then back to the Jets for a, cu- a couple of years, and then ended with the Chiefs in 2017. But Darrell Revis, uh, you know, Revis Island, makes it into the Hall of Fame. I, went I don't to a, I, What's that? I went to a Monday night game against Miami where he had a 104-yard pick six. For a touchdown which was just fantastic that was great to watch and that's not what he was known for as much but yeah that was a no-brainer getting him in ken riley is a quarterback a cornerback with the bengals you see wow this is a kind of a defensive uh total of the defensive uh class uh a a, a a cornerback with the bengals from 69 to 83 and that's in my heyday of sitting in front of the black and white tv in the early days uh, you know, the mid-70s watching the NFL. I don't remember Ken Riley. Do you? I do not, and I guess that's why he gets in. The the uh, veterans, or the senior candidates get in. That uh, He, Coriel, and Chuck Howley were for the senior candidates. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I don't he remember with, him. He played with Ken Anderson and, you know, the rivals of the Pittsburgh Steelers growing up. So, But I just don't remember him. Not because he's um, old. I just don't remember him. Anyway. Joe Thomas, uh, left tackle for the Browns for 11 seasons. Uh, I think that was a no-brainer, having Joe Thomas uh, in the uh, Hall of Fame. Zach Thomas, the uh, Dolphins, I don't see him as, he played a year with the Cowboys. But yeah. Zach Thomas, a linebacker uh, for the Dolphins, makes it in. Another one of these uh, kind of slow, undersized guys, beating all odds, and now in the Hall of Fame. That's a great story. And finally, Demarcus Ware, who's like an edge rusher. They list him as a linebacker for the Cowboys. Spent the last couple of years with the Broncos. But uh, the good Hall of Fame class. Where are all the other? 
I think there's only one offensive player, right? Joe Thomas. That's it. You have four defense, four four defensive backs, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, as well overall. And uh, that's, I think that is maybe the first time that has happened. And you can't argue with any of these guys. You can't at all. One thing I love about Joe Thomas, for some reason, this is what I think of almost first first time I hear his name every time is that when he got drafted, he was fishing on a lake with his father. He didn't attend the draft. He wasn't at a big party at home. He was fishing on a boat. And that's how he found out that he got drafted. I think that was just kind of cool. For some reason, I always remember that about him. Yeah. Three linebackers, three cornerbacks, a defensive tackle, and a left tackle, all in the class of 23. And now who, I can't remember who, Joe Klecko. Yeah, defensive tackle is what I said. Yeah, yeah. So three, three, a left tackle, a defensive tackle, three linebackers, three corners. Who got? Who didn't make it in? That's what I want to see. I can't remember who the other nominees were already. Yeah, I have to anyway, get yeah. Uh, that's uh, you know that's up for debate another time. Eighteen minutes after the hour, weather-wise today, the National Weather Service says it's going to be mostly sunny here on Oahu. A high wind warning. Winds out of the east, twenty to thirty miles per hour, and today gusts up to sixty miles per hour. It's going to be dangerous out there. Stay safe, folks. Uh, we have Sean Green. Uh, he's uh, from a gambling podcast. In fact, the gambling podcast. He is going to join us next year on ESPN Honolulu. And keep listening. We've got more Rainbow Warrior vol- uh, basketball tickets to give away this hour, too. And uh, just mark your calendars. Coming up February 22nd, it's the really big road show number eight at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Keep listening for details. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart called out Getting closer and closer to Super Bowl 57. Of course, a lot of people like the commercial, the halftime entertainment, the game itself. And, oh, yes, it's the only time of the year we wonder what color the Gatorade will be. We're going to get into that part of it. As right now, we are joined on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's the co-host of the Gambling Podcast and the co-founder of the SGP Network, Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Once again, Sean Green. Sean, great to have you on. The color of the Gatorade. Why is that such a big deal every Super Bowl? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's just such a fun, random bet. It's a great thing to talk about uh, leading up to uh, the game. And, yeah, you know, it, it, it's just fun. It's just people like betting on the crazy, wacky stuff in the Super Bowl. See, to me, if you're going to bet on, they say, a combination of passing yards or receiving yards or even comparing with an NBA player with points versus yards, I love those. But you can actually base it on, you know, what's going to happen during the game. The Gatorade thing is almost like the coin toss where it's just luck if you win. But a lot of people, as you said, really enjoy that. And I understand, is it once again where the coin toss gets the most action? Yeah, no, I'm seeing the coin toss is one of the most bet uh, bets for the Super Bowl because – Again, you don't have to uh, – it doesn't matter what kind of research you do. Just uh, – it's a real coin toss, as they say. I'm on, uh, I'm on heads if people are looking uh, for a play on the coin toss. But, yeah, I mean, you can do a ton of research and look into some stats, or 
you can just bet on the coin toss or the Gatorade. They really have something for everyone. <laughs> they, they sure do. And I guess what I hear also is that people want to get that first win really early so the coin toss can give them that. But by the same token, it could also set you off with your first loss before kickoff. You don't want that. Can you talk about some of the great things at the uh, SGP network? I know you got 57 for 57, Super Bowl 57, and all the prop bets. What are some of the more interesting ones besides what we just discussed? Yeah, I mean, you get a little bit of everything. We also have uh, picks on, like, the first uh, song for halftime. Um, obviously, a ton of the game prop bets are in there. Who's going to be Super Bowl MVP, uh, winning margin. Uh, you know, essentially, like, every sort of play in the Super Bowl you can find a bet on. And, uh, yeah, we're doing a free contest. Basically, you pick 57 of the Super Bowl prop bets. Winner gets $570 cash and a $570 gift card to the merch store. So, uh, and then myself and my partner are also giving out 57 of our favorite profits. So, again, if you want to get into the weeds about the, the bet on the Super Bowl, we got you covered. What about some of the other in-game ones that you find that may be more attractive to some of the people that are making wagers on these right now as far as things that will take place during the game? Yeah, if you're looking for, for some more of the uh, regular bets, again, Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown has just been a great bet the entire season. Last nine games, he's uh, had a rushing touchdown in seven games. Uh, he's had nine total touchdowns. You can get that most places at, like, even money. I've been – and a lot of places let you parlay that with other things. So I love Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes' first completion, I like under nine and a half yards. I think it's going to be a lot of quick passes for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think they start off with something short and easy to get them going. And Eagles are great at defending – uh, pass his past 10 yards. So look for a cor- uh, quick, short pass for his first completion. So like under nine and a half there. Sean Green from the SGP Network joining us here also with a gambling podcast as he talks Super Bowl 57 on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. What about the first score of the game? I, I see one of them is like, will there be a score, I believe, in the first seven minutes of the game? I don't know if you look at past history when you look at that, but what do you think about that as far as either team scoring early on? I would go no on that because uh, generally with the uh, Super Bowl, you know, you have two weeks off. Maybe there's a little uh, rust. Maybe people are a little too amped up. Gener- uh, you know, usually uh, Super Bowls start off slow scoring. You know, there are the exceptions, like when the uh, Colts played the Bears and the first kickoff was taken to the house. But generally, uh, scoring starts off a little slow in the Super Bowl. So I would look to no score there. I know somebody, this is years ago, but they always used to bet that there will be a safety in the Super Bowl, which is obviously very rare. But it did happen in that Denver-Seattle game. I think with the first score of the game was a safety, I'm not mistaken, when the snap went over Peyton Manning. Yeah. Said, is that something that people will, will put money on? And what are the odds of that as far as the, a safety in the game with the first score of the game being a safety? Well, you know, that's, that they kind of ended up changing the odds after that hit because that was like 75-1 to 1, uh, to be the first uh, score of being a safety. They've since reduced it by a ton. It's like 12-1 to 1 now, 15-1. to 1. Uh, Maybe you can find a 20-1. to 1. Uh, you know, just even a bet, will there be a safety or not? That's usually like six to one now. You used to be able to get great odds on it, but um, since it hit in that Super Bowl and then the uh, Giants Patriots, uh, if you remember, Tom Brady had the intentional grounding where he got ruled for safety. Wasn't the first score, but they, they definitely reduced the price on some of those safeties bets. And I'm sure people will still get on them, but uh, yeah, it used to be a really great price. 
With all the fun prop bets we're talking about, of course, there is the point spread of the game where the Eagles are favored still at one and a half. Under over the last I saw was, I believe, 50 and a half. But this line changed after Championship Sunday where at first Kansas, uh, Kansas City was favored. It jumped around a lot the first day or two. Why was that, and is that something unusual? Uh, I wouldn't say it's that unusual. I, I have a nice little stat here where if the line moves more than one and a half points, uh, like it did in this case, because essentially the Chiefs opened up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now it seems like the consensus line is the Eagles are one-and-a-half-point favorite. So uh, it's happened 18 times in Super Bowl history where the lines moved more than one-and-a-half points, and 14-4 uh, and four against the spread for the team that it moved towards. So in this case, it would be the Eagles uh, if that trend continues. I think it just opened up in the – I think the you know the sportsbooks thought that you know Mahomes would be catching more action, um, but I, I think they just you know the Eagles keep winning by a big margin, and that's kind of drove a lot of the early action, so they had to move it a little bit. Uh, you know, any move that doesn't cross three isn't a huge move, but yeah, it was definitely just people hammering the Eagles early. If you want more information, you can follow Sean Green on Twitter at Sean, S-E-A-N-T, Green again with the Gambling Podcast. Check that out as well, the SGP Network. Sean, thanks for joining us all season long. It's going to be a very fun Sunday. Some people are going to be even happier if they can win some of these props and the over-under and the game itself. Thanks again. Yeah, uh, appreciate it, and uh, go Birds. All right, he's an Eagles fan, I guess. Sean Green joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. See ya in a Kia. Uh, if you want to check it out, uh, it's the SPGN Network, uh, to be exact. You left a letter out there just for folks who are, uh, you know, might want to check that out. But, uh, yeah, maybe he bet on the Eagles. <laughs> I would think so after what he said. Or he, he's at least picking them, picking them, and he has a lot of uh, information on them, so. Yeah, got a couple of odds and ends from the Super Bowl. We'll take your texts and calls as well at 808-296-1420. In less than 20 minutes, we'll give away more tickets to Rainbow Warrior Basketball, too, on ESPN Honolulu. Super Bowl Sunday coming up. The big game. (laughs) Hey, by the way, uh, we're giving away a 70-inch TV. Follow us uh, at ESPN Honolulu on Instagram, and you can win a 70-inch LG TV. Uh, It's a really big TV, and it's uh, so you can watch the big game uh, from uh, ESPN Honolulu. Thank you to uh, Jameson Irish Whiskey for being our sponsor. Uh, regarding the Super Bowl, uh, Philadelphia School Board, you know how we've, uh, I, I've been saying for years, along with many other people, along with uh, a lot of the uh, some uh, politicians in, ten- in Tennessee, they're trying to get the day after the Super Bowl to be a holiday. Well, in Philadelphia, the school board uh, isn't making it a holiday, but they are delaying school, school on Super Bowl Monday for a couple of hours. So there's no, there's no there's no holiday as Super Bowl Monday, but the school board is there. They'll open classes two hours later to give kids a chance to sleep in from all the looting they'll be doing the night before <laughs> until if they win. 
But, uh, yeah, so they're like, I don't know if it's the kids that need the extra sleep. Right. I think it's the parents who have to drive them to school. That's what I was thinking when I heard that as well. Yeah, it's more the parents. But, see, in Tennessee, is for every Super Bowl, they want it to be a holiday on the Monday after. Yeah. For Philadelphia, I don't think they care about Cincinnati and L.A. like last year. They're not going to need Monday off. But when the Eagles are in it every now and then, yeah, you got to take off. That, that should come into territory. That should be automatic, at least for the winning team. Your fans get the day off the next day. That should be part of the bonus, part of the oh, – you, know, you get money for the players, you get the trophy, you get all that. The fans deserve something, too. They deserve the next day off. Well, even if you lose, even if you lose the Super Bowl, it should be like, okay, you get a day to mourn. Well, you have to go in late maybe, but if you, if you win, yeah, you deserve the day off. That should be automatic. I wish they could work that out. Uh, all right. Hey, the first ever all-female fighter pilot crew – is going to fly over the Super Bowl uh, uh, this weekend. Uh, it's an all-female Navy fighter pilot squad at the opening ceremonies at State Farm Stadium. It's the first time four women will fly the diamond formation. Uh, they'll be also honoring 50 years of women flying in the U.S. Navy and two years of the Navy really screwing up Hawaii's waters. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but that's great. Uh, 50 years of women flying in the Navy celebrated. I know B.J. Edelman, former point guard from Iolani at the University of Hawaii, she flies. I think she flies for an airline now, but she used to fly those jets as well, I believe. Was she in the Navy? I, I, was it the Air Force? I'm not, I thought it was the Air Force. It might have been the Air Force, but I know she has flown some big events. But I, just, I mean, great basketball player and a pilot as well, so that's pretty cool. But that's good That's good to see that. I mean, I mean, the, the, all the stuff about the Super Bowl, I do enjoy the hype. I mean, the six hours, seven hours of pregame might be a little too much, but it's also cool because you have all morning, especially here, we get, you know, the game at one thirty. But you get so many things on the pregame show. Some of those stories are so uplifting, Life Matters moments and things like that. So I, I, I do enjoy a lot of that coverage. And the more the merrier. I remember when ESPN used to show an hour special of every Super Bowl the night before. Now it's 56 of them, so it might take a while. But I, I enjoy all that. I like all the stuff to the buildup for this game, at least, on the day of the Super Bowl the day before. Yeah, they have this. Uh, I saw on TV last night, This uh, there's a club, and it's, it's called the Never Miss a Super Bowl mm, Club. Right. Honestly, it's called that. And uh, there's one guy, I don't know how old he is, um, he looks your age, and uh, he's been, this is his 50, (laughs) he's been to his, this is his 57th Super Bowl, never missed a Super Bowl. I think the NFL uh, makes sure that he gets, him and his gang, there's a few of the guys, they get tickets to to keep this streak going, but uh, man, he's been to all of them. I read that story a few years ago, and I believe in the COVID year when Tampa Bay won it, they still made a wave. Because remember, fans, I think it was like 50% capacity for that Super Bowl in Tampa. It might have been a little bit more, but they were able to go to that game, too. That's, that's incredible when you think of it. And I remember, I don't remember the number, but when the first Super Bowl occurred in, what, 65 or 6, I guess it was, maybe 67, uh, the prices, what were they, like $20 back then? It was pretty, a lot more reasonable than it might be today. Well, this cat was saying that the NFC championship game ticket was way more expensive than the super bowl tickets back in the day too got some other fun facts here for the super bowl uh america is expected to stuff our faces with 1.4 billion chicken wings one point you wonder why there's an egg shortage because we're eating all the chicken wings I didn't put that together like that but uh... those poor little chickens walking around they have no wings they're trying to lay eggs and 1.4 billion chicken wings. 
Americans are going to eat about 8 million pounds of guacamole and more than 14,000 tons of chips. That's good because it's a good guacamole. You notice the supermarkets, they're all filled with the uh, avocados. It was great avocado season, by the way. But not like, you know, they have the little ones in the stores. I mean, you got to go to someone's house. Someone, you know, we used to have an avocado tree grow, uh, for a little while when I lived with my grandparents. We lived in Makiki. And, uh, boy, those avocados were three times the size of uh, the, the avocados you see in the store. Where are they, from Mexico or something like that? I, I, I guess no. You don't, I, I don't expect yeah, you I'm not an avocado. It's uh, not a fast food restaurant, so I know that you haven't been to a hey, When's the last time you've been in a supermarket? Last night, about 12 hours ago, 10 hours ago, my way home from the game. (laughs) No, I I was trying to get some sugar-free ice pops and uh, some yogurt. Uh, Americans are expected to place a record, oh, we've had this already, $16 billion on Super Bowl bets. Basically, what is it, 50, 50, something like 50% of Americans are are betting on the Super Bowl. Some crazy number like that. Yeah, it is. It it happens. I mean, I got uh, a prop sheet that I'm going to look at and see what I like on there. What? Oh, yeah. You're gambling on the Super Bowl? Well, gambling is for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. I, 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 our radio one, station frowns on illegal activity. You, uh, you, only Gary Dick would mention that on the air. All right. Fox is charging between 6 and $7 million for a 30-second commercial. But, hey, if you want to get in on that action, they're sold out. So don't worry about it. Don't fret. You know what? I would I, whatever else is going on. I, if I was an advertiser, I'd be all over that at a fraction of the cost. What do you mean? Because a... not a hundred percent of the people watching television are watching the Super Bowl. For example, if there's some kind of pro bowling or tennis, there might be a lot of people watching that on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. A lot? No, not not as much as the Super Bowl. But what I'm getting at is that the Super Bowl is not the only thing on TV. I would own every other network, uh, every, every because every other network. I just buy commercials on all the other networks, <laughs> and, except the Super Bowl, and you can get it at dirt cheap prices because you can say, "Hey, Super Bowl's on the channel. No one's going to be watching, so give me this commercial for ten dollars," and do that on every network that exists. Ah, that's my strategy. <laughs> uh, now, if you had only anything you could advertise, it'd be great. Yeah. Out of the ten most watched TV programs of all time, nine of them are Super Bowls. That's how big it is. Yeah. I take back my strategy. The Super Bowl is measured in Roman numerals. Why? Because a football season runs over two calendar years. So this one is LVII. That means 57. You know, that reasoning makes sense, because sometimes you'll think, well, who won the 2013 Super Bowl? So that it was Maybe it was played in 2013, but it was actually from the 2012 season. So that's right. always been a little misleading sometimes. National championship, too. College yeah. football national championship as well. Right, right. All right, let's, let's give away uh, the uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets now. Uh, got two tickets Saturday night against Cal State Fullerton. Call in and be caller number, let's see, we did caller number three, I think, last time. Let's do caller number four at 808-296-1420. Caller number four, we've got two tickets uh, uh, waiting for you. And uh, while folks are dialing in, we want to remind you about something very important. Yes, it is our bulletin board from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. And, well, it's Aloha Friday. We do have the Super Bowl coming up. 
and enjoy the Super Bowl. But remember now, if you're feeling a little buzzed, uh, you can recognize your own personal warning signs. Call or ask for a ride to get home or sleep over. This message is brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Ten minutes in front of 8 o'clock with the sports animals. It's uh, mostly sunny today. Gosh, got that high wind warning. And, it's you know, yesterday was wind advisory, but and you thought yesterday was bad. According to the, you know, the National Weather Service, gusts up to 60 miles per hour today, and it's going to be around for a little while. But uh, the uh, trade's going to be 20 to 30, gusts up to 60. Be very, very careful. It's scary. Driving on those roads, I don't know if you saw some of the, uh, you know, the photos on the different news outlets, uh, whether it was a star advertiser or one of the television stations, but, you know, these telephone poles just come down. And yeah. Tanner Hayworth, uh, back in the Paxa studios, Tanner, you mentioned something during one of the breaks. What was it, what, a street in Kalihi or whatever had like five telephone poles fall down? Five of them. <laughs> one street. It's like, whoa, you guys, can you do dig the hole a little deeper next time when you put the thing in but somebody got uh, in a bad accident on the leaky leaky driving yeah. down they ran into a i think it was a down tree but boy that's crazy i was so i was actually i was a little not afraid but a little queasy yesterday driving in manoa because luckily i live in a neighborhood and i think where you got you li- you guys live uh tanner you're out in uh eva and gary you're in waikele there's no overhead power lines, but in some of these older neighborhoods like Manoa, the 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 power lines are swinging back and forth like it was just crazy. And you're driving under them. You're going, please don't fall, please don't fall. Let me get through this stretch. When you're driving on some of these roads and you're looking, I parked at Manoa Marketplace, and that's what it's called, right? Manoa Marketplace. Yeah, yeah. I parked there for a second. And the only parking space available, uh, because everyone's retired there, right? It's like you know nine forty-five <laughs> in the morning. The shopping center's packed, but uh, the only the only open stall was under a tree. When I come back, there's a tree branch on my car. Now, oh, luckily, really? luckily, it was um, you know it wasn't a, a super heavy tree branch, but I'm coming back to the car, going, oh my gosh, I got so many dents in this car already. <laughs> I have more dents in my car than any other car I've ever owned. I don't know why. Yeah, that, that wind was incredible. I was at a red light last night after the basketball game, and I thought somebody, I literally thought at first somebody was shaking my car. That's, I thought I was looking out my window to see if there was somebody there. That's what it felt like. It was really strong moving the car. That was crazy. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like this for a little while, too, though. That's the scary part. I feel bad for, you know, your FedEx and UPS drivers. You're driving down the, the down the freeway and a big gust of wind comes. It seems like it would just knock those those trucks over, those vans over. It, it could. I also wonder about like you have Wahini softball starting tonight, first game of the season. I wonder how the wind might affect that at Manoa. Uh, you've got the soccer, high school soccer, all those outdoor sports. How could it not be affected by that? Depending on where it's played, I guess. But I just got a yeah. notification in all red on my Alexa saying high wind warning for Waipahu. I've never seen a message like that before. Well, I've been saying it all morning. There's a high wind warning. No, I mean I've never gotten that on oh. my on any tablet. Or, I've, I've got I get the emergency weather on alerts. Your Alexa, email. 
Uh, yeah, on Alexa it came on. on um... <laughs> it's not that early anymore, Gary. Yeah, I know, I know. Come on, you can do it. But, I, but getting a notification like that, I've never seen anything quite like that. And last night, again, Josh and I were walking to the garage after the game last night, and we were seeing branches, big branches all over the place. That, and again, it, I mean, I'm a big guy. And it, it it almost moved me the wind. I've been like in situations like that maybe twice in my life, and it is scary. I mean, it's kind of funny when you talk about it later in a way. But no, being in that, that really, um, it was an eye opener. That's for sure. The red light and just walking last night. Yeah. Anyway, be safe. Be safe out there. Uh, there was something that was canceled. Was it? Uh, there was something that I don't know if it was golf. Or, it was a golf tournament. Okay. There was a golf on the Big Island. UH is playing. And um, I, I saw some results from uh, the UH golf teams playing a bunch of teams out at Hapuna. And then I, I looked at the results. Uh, uh, Scott Simpson and his team is out there. And I see, oh, this guy from Hilo's leading. He's one under and he's leading. And then I see later that everyone else is even. I'm all, what? That's crazy. And then I see, okay, after one hole, there were like four guys that were one under. <laughs> and and uh, a bunch, most of them didn't even tee off. So... I think that would be kind of fun playing in uh, in uh, that type of win. No, you know what? I'm sorry. It would be fun to watch golfers play in these gale forest winds. But at the same time, it's probably not safe. Again, you're on a golf course with trees and all that kind of stuff, so it's probably just safer to just stay away. So I don't imagine that they would get that underway today either. Do you remember the scene in Caddyshack when it was, like, super windy and super raining and lightning and thunder, and they're still playing Bill Murray's caddying, I think, for the priest? And uh, he gets electrocuted at the end. I'm not giving too much away. But that scene kind of reminded me of that. I saw Steven's. I'm not, saw Steven's, I'm not saw, giving too much away? Well, I mean, if people haven't watched a movie, I'm not giving out a big pl- a plot part of it away. You know, Gary, the go. movie's like 40 years I know, old. I know, They so had the their chance. Though. I'm sure you're not upsetting anybody. Oh, okay. So I wanted to make sure. Steven Side told me at football practice yesterday it was, a re- it was really affecting the practice. That it was hard for anybody to do anything passing wide because of that wind, and that was yesterday morning. Yeah, man. Anyway, guys, just stay safe. Drive safe out there. Uh, it's it's it is nuts. Well, it is National Umbrella Day after all, uh, and uh, you know. So, you know who invented the uh, elevator? The elevator or the umbrella? I mean, the umbrella. You know who invented? <laughs> I know who the umbrella? invented the elevator, but not the umbrella. No. <laughs> Uh, the elevator was invented by some guy named Otis, but um, <laughs> you say the that. umbrella was invented uh, again. These these guys have invented everything. It was invented in China. What wasn't invented in China? My goodness! All right, let's see. Coming up. Oh, coming up. NFL honors and top headlines next on ESPN Honolulu, ninety-two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. It's Aloha Friday. No work till tomorrow morning at 6.30. I'm going to have a good time tomorrow. It's the uh, 34th annual Silver Streak Sunrise Walk for Seniors. And uh, we're going to be down there at Ala Moana Beach Park. And, uh, you know, it's going to be windy, but uh, it'll be a nice day. And, uh, you know, and uh, it's a little one, a little over a mile walk around Ala Moana Beach Park. It's uh, supported by the Great Aloha Run. So we're going to down, go down there and make a little little mini broadcast if you're up uh, from 
let's see, it'll be from like 8 to 9 is when we're going to be on the air. But anyway, I've never seen this walk, so I'm looking forward to that. Top headlines, really, I I mean, in my top headline today uh, is uh, Max Holloway returning to the Octagon April 15th. He's uh, Max Holloway's number one contender in the UFC on the flyweight division. He's going to take on the number four contender, a kid named uh, Arnold Allen. Uh, Allen is uh, 10-0 in the UFC, 19-1 record overall. Uh, And uh, so it's going to be on ESPN+. So if you're a subscriber, you get to watch Max for free. It's It's a fight night card in Kansas City, by the way. Tax day as well, so hopefully people will be uh, happy. Actually, tax day is April 18th this year. We don't want to give misinformation. Oh, it's and the-, the 20th for the state holiday. Okay, okay. Uh, Hall of Fa- the Hall of Fame uh, uh, class is out. Uh, the winners were Rondé Barber, Don Coriel. Thank you, Tanner, for the info. He was an assistant coach at Punahou School in 1951 and a head coach at Farrington in 1952. I wonder if they had a high-flying offense in 52 for the Governors. <laughs> anyway, uh, Coach Don Coriel, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, Darrell Rivas. Ken Riley was a corner for the Bengals in the 60s, the early 80s. Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, and Demarcus Ware. Uh, congratulations to that class. And we got some uh, pretty important guys coming up for next year up for induction. huh? First-time eligible players for next year's class, Julius Peppers. Antonio Gates, Eric Berry, Brandon Marshall, Haloti Nata, Jamal Charles, Doug Baldwin, Jordy Nelson. Are you going to read them all? There's only a few more. <laughs> Connor Barwin, Sebastian Janikowski, Kyle Williams, Kyle Williams, and Andrew Luck. All right. And uh, let's see. Uh, the Heidi and Cook HHSAA Boys Basketball, HHSAA Boys Basketball Championship Tournament continues. We got the finals tonight. It is St. Louis against Campbell in an all-out ILH versus OIA matchup. Could have been an all-ILH matchup, but uh, last night, uh, Pupu Sepulona and the St. Louis Crusaders over the Moanalua Na Menahune 47 to 34 it seems like it was a blowout but that was a lot closer it seemed like a lot closer game than that uh on the other side of the bracket it was the campbell sabers beating up on the spartans of marinole 46 to 38 so that's your state championship game tonight on the d2 side uh the red raiders of Kauai. uh excuse me the uh university junior bows will be facing the Kohala Cowboys, uh, both victorious in their games yesterday. It's going to be a university high and Kohala D2 championship game. And I know Kohala, big fan of them when I lived in the Big Island. They've had a lot of success in the D2 tournament over the years, so no no surprise that they are back there where they've been over the years. And you said when you know that um, Campbell beat up on Marino, that was a double overtime game. So in the yeah. second overtime, it got away I from shouldn't them. say that. I shouldn't yeah. say that. Yeah, they, it was double overtime. But that was a big win. Good for Campbell. They've had a magic. Their magical season continues, I think, is how they put it at scoringlive.com. In the Motivate Foundation, HHSAA Boys Soccer State Championships, Division One kind over here, number one, Mililani, beating, I'm going to say it, King K. Kaulike. Yeah. Because you can't just, they list it as K. Kaulike. And it's like, well, did he become a prince? I mean, call it, 
Come on. King Kate Kaulike. Good point. Jaden Sotelo and Kai Martin with the goals for the Trojans. Number four, Hilo over Punahou, one to nothing. Uh, good job by you, Michael DeCoito third with your goal. Uh, number two, Iolani defeated Waiakea, three to two. For the Big Islanders, Azia uh, Nelson. And I probably screwed his name up the third time today. And Tevin Atwal scored for Iolani, Caleb Abara, and John Bukowitz. Kalani beat number three Baldwin three to nothing. Shane Fuse or Fuse, Chase Kaetsu and Ethan Center all scored for the Falcons. On the Division Two side, KS Hawaii beat Wailua three to one. Elisa Sheridan uh, uh, scored for the uh, uh, Bulldogs for Kamehameha Hawaii. Elijah Dinkle and Micah Chung they scored. Seabury. Beat number four, Roosevelt, two to nothing. What's going on with your school, Stephen Sai? <laughs> What's going on, Matt Apana? Congratulations to James Haynes and Duke Romanchak scoring for Seabury Hall. Uh, Island, and I'm guessing this is Island School, beat McKinley 11 to 1. Wow. I, I'm sorry, I don't have time to read 11 goal <laughs> scores, but you know basically everybody. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for Island uh, got in on the scoring column. And uh, finally, Pack 5 beat Hawaii Prep 2-1. to one. Daniel Villaplana Habiak scored for Hawaii Prep. And Joshua Kim and Mark Spencer, good job by you guys for the Wolf Pack of Wolf of Pack 5. So high school, and we, don't, we haven't even hit the spring sports yet. There's so much going on. You know, I wonder how the wind might have affected those games yesterday. They're playing in YPO, and I'm not that far away from YPO, and I know how windy it is here and how it was yesterday. You would think it has to have some effect on those games. Hey, Gary, it's windy everywhere, not just in your neighborhood. That has nothing to do with what I said, but thanks for adding that. You just said I know how windy it is over here. It's windy. Trees and telephone poles are falling down all over the state. It's, you know, it's got to be crazy. If Like you mentioned, you had a good point bringing up Wahine softball, you know their game. I mean, how do you, how do you pitch in weather like that? I mean, you're, 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 it's like you hit like a a routine pop up. That thing might fly out and hit uh, Freer Hall over there. Or I wonder which which direction the wind is up there because it could be where it helps the pitcher. I mean, if you got the wind behind your back and you're throwing, it might be harder to hit it, first of all, to hit it because it's going to be faster, and also to hit it over the fence because the wind is coming at you, if it is. Right, right. I mean, unless you're, unless you're Jocelyn Allo, it doesn't matter. That yeah, thing's that's flying true. Out of there anyway, She's the right? exception. <laughs> hey, game day for the Rainbow Warrior volleyball team. They're back at it on the road uh, against Stanford. We'll have that game for you at 5 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. By the way, uh, that'll be followed by the uh, St. Mary's UH softball game. Uh, Brianna Lopez will get the start uh, in the circle for the Rainbow Wahine. But Tiff Wells has got a good volume. He's, he, we got a good challenge today against Stanford. Well, Tiff has a challenge. The team has an even bigger challenge. Right. And, uh, 
the important matches where you want to keep your strength of schedule, your RPI, in case you don't get the automatic bid. And this is a team where if you beat a team like Stanford number eight in the country on the road tonight and tomorrow, that'll help your cause as well. They were unanimous number one in the polls last week. But when it comes down to it, if you need that at large, I'm not sure if they will. I think they'll win the Big West again. But if they do, these two matches can really be helpful for their cause there. So, And it's just a good challenge overall to show you can beat anybody in the country, home or away. All right, and the uh, Rainbow Wahine basketball, the uh, really depleted Rainbow Wahine basketball team, wins on the road over uh, UC San Diego. That final score was, oh, what was it? 61-58. Thank you very much. But uh, good job by Callan Spiller. And as always, Lily Wahine Kapu. On the men's side, Hawaii uh, beats San Diego, but they struggled for a while. Again, having a hard time putting two good halves together. But Hawaii does come from behind to win 69-62. to uh, The Rainbow Warriors improved to 9-4 and four, uh, on the season. They're in third place. And uh, keep listening because we're going to give away another pair of tickets, too. Oh, I think we forgot to congratulate our winner before, too. I think it was Harry from Waikiki. Was it Harry in Waikiki? Henry yes. in Waikiki. Henry it was in Henry Waikiki. Harry. Henry in Waikiki. Thank you, Henry, for listening. And uh, good job on you. But uh, anyway, so uh, Hawaii improves to 9-4 and four last night. Yeah, they're still tied in the Big West with Riverside. They're a half game in back of Irvine, and they're a game and a half in back of Santa Barbara. But it, you know, you've got to be able to win these games against teams. And again, San Diego's record, I think, was a little deceiving. They were short-handed last night. I believe only nine players yep. up with them. They've missed a couple of their big. But Hawaii did a good job. And the second half. Now, one of the things when you say they had a hard time putting together two good halves, you're, you're right. But in some of those earlier games when they did that, it was a bad half and a really good half. Last night, I think, it was really the first 12 minutes or so of that first half that they were really struggling. They finished the first half off strong to get within six points. But they, looked, they didn't look good when they were down 17-5 to five early yeah, on. Yeah, but they, they got within five points. Then they gave up. Then they were down by 10. It wasn't like they stormed back. Now, they had a run. What was that run they had in the uh, in the second half? What was it like seventeen to 15, nothing or fifteen so? nothing run? Fifteen nothing run. I mean, that's when they you know really put it together. But hey, you know what? A half is a half is a half. They don't measure it in quarters, and that's why I bring up this game and the two previous. One was a good first half. One was a bad second half. One was a bad first half. One was a good second half. They got to put all. They got to put two halves together. But Plain I mean, and simple, I, according to Iran Ganat. I think again they they played better in the end of the first half, so it wasn't a totally. Sure. No, no, no. First I get what half. you're saying. I get what you're saying. But we measure basketball in halves, right? Well, you know, I think we just measure it in games, actually, not really halves. But you want to break it down any way you want. You can you can break it down in ten minute intervals if you want to. All right. Hey, uh, NFL honors last night the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes won his second. He won his second. Uh, career NFL MVP. So it is, he's played six seasons now. He's got a Super Bowl and two MVPs. I mean, it seems like he has enough to get in the Hall of Fame right now. He's only the second player to ever get two MVPs by the time by the time he's the age of 28. The other two, Brett Favre and Jim Brown. Yeah. One came, you know, one went on to be a, a Hollywood actor and a, a great supporter in the community. The other, you know, uh, retired to steal from the poorest people on the in his state <laughs> you hear about you brett Favre is suing shannon sharp and pat mcafee for defamation yeah <laughs> it's like okay i i didn't do it then why did you pay the money back 
right? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I want to even hear his version. This makes him look really, really bad. There are some bad things that athletes do or ex-athletes do. This one takes it to another extreme. Now, it's totally he, true, and it seems like he's, it is. He says he didn't know the money was from the, I, I don't know what it's called, welfare fund. He didn't know the money was from there. And, you know, if it means anything, he wasn't the only millionaire who stole from this fund. There were many people, in, all the rich people in Mississippi got rich off of the poorest in the state. But when he says he didn't know, there were allegedly text messages that showed that he didn't know. And that's where I think there's a little you know, discrepancy there where people don't believe him <laughs> even more so. Hey, you better be careful. You didn't say allegedly. He's going to sue you, too. <laughs> that kind of cool. All right, so uh, anyway, congratulations. Uh, the uh, MVP award goes to uh, Patrick Mahomes. And just as I hoped, the New York Jets got the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. That's only the third time it's happened. Now, we talked about it yesterday is that uh, they did it with St. Louis, um, uh, not St. Louis, with New, New Orleans, Orleans a little while ago uh, with Lattimore and Tomorrow. who was it? Alvin Kamara, and then I didn't realize. I thought that, okay, it happened one other time, and I didn't know. It was the Detroit Lions in 1967. I remember it happened right after you graduated from high school. You were telling people about <laughs> Mel Farr and Lem Barney. Huh? How's that? Wow. Lem Barney, Hall of Famer. Uh, but uh, it happened then. I would have thought that it happened with the Chicago Bears in, oh, I don't know, what year was it? 1965, in the draft, they've had, like, second and third pick in the draft. Don't quote me. Something like that. In that draft, they drafted Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus. I would have thought that those guys were offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Maybe Gale got hurt. Or maybe they just didn't start off as strong as they played or finished. Oh, they did. Believe me, they both did. I would have guessed the Pittsburgh Steelers with some of those draft classes they had in the early 70s that maybe that would have been the third team if I didn't know. Yeah. Other great guys uh, got honored last night. Well, I just want to bring up one thing before we go a little further, but the players that got honored, the Jets. That was the best single day in New York Jets history since 1969 when they won a Super Bowl. I mean, to have all of those guys win the uh, Rookie of the Year and Darrell Revis, Joe Klecko in the Hall of Fame, it doesn't get much better than that. So uh, they don't win on the field very often or often enough. But they did win off the uh, off the field last night, so that was kind of cool to see. Brian Dable gets Coach of the Year, and I know uh, yesterday we were all giving our picks because we love doing that for some of these awards. And I, I know we've had it down. All three of us had it either Dable or Peterson, Doug Peterson of uh, Jacksonville, with what they accomplished. But I, I'm glad Brian Dable got. It. I thought it was well deserved. And even though Kyle Shanahan is a great coach. I, I don't think it was that exceptional because they already had a really good team. They were in the championship last year. And it's not that it was a surprise that makes, you know, Dable win it. But from where they were last year, the last several years, to what they did this year, not only making the playoffs but winning a playoff game, which is what Doug Peterson did as well. I think you could have gone either way there. But I'm glad that Brian Dable won that. And uh, that was nice to see. Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. I, I'm glad he won it. That, that was my pick yesterday. I think we all agreed there. Another to add to the great day of the Jets. Well, that in a way doesn't because they let him get away and he and they didn't they didn't showcase his talent as much as Seattle did. That's for sure. I know. I was joking, Gary. I know. I know. I know. Uh, but so, and I was glad for him. Again, I was down on him big time 
when he played for the Jets, but it didn't work out. But I thought, you know, again, that looked, that was great to see him get acknowledged like that. So uh, I'm glad for him on that. And uh, I, I didn't get to see the show. I saw some of the highlights with Kelly Clarkson as the host. Some of the things I saw do was funny. Then they had George Kittle singing in the audience uh, to the tune of one of Kelly Clarkson's big hits. Um, and I forget the name of it right now, but it was, it was really a bad singer. Like Simon Cowell would have had a field day with him on American Idol. He was that bad. But he changed the lyrics involving the 49ers. Uh, it was actually kind of funny, I thought. And then Kelly Clarkson would chime in every now and then. But uh, I, I know they're going to have writers write the jokes and everything like that. But uh, different different kind of hosts that they've had where they've had Alec Baldwin in the past and some other really funny people. But she looked like, from what I saw at least, did a pretty decent job. And uh, so now we get the big game. I know that the two teams for the Super Bowl will be shut off from the media after today. The coaches will give their final speeches, and that will be it. Uh, then it'll be kind of where they are secluded even more, and I don't, I don't mind that part at all. But uh, it was kind of cool to see these awards last night, and I wish they would list the runners-up. You know, I know in the NBA they'll, they'll list the voting at least, like, you know, how many votes everybody got. Uh, the NFL, I don't know if they do that. I didn't see that last night or early this morning. But I wonder if Jalen Hurts was the runner-up for MVP. And I don't think you, you don't get anything in your contract like a bonus for being – actually, maybe you do. I think some players might get if you're a top five MVP, you know, uh, player, if you get the top five votes, you do get some money out of it. And that's beside the point to me. It's just I just really was curious on how everybody else voted for the other guys there. Was it Saquon Barkley also on the Comeback Player of the Year award? Also, he and Christian McCaffrey were the finalists as well as Geno Smith. I wonder who came in second. Yeah. Well, you, we can find that out. They released the information. Maybe we'll do that during the break. Josh Pacheco joins us next on Rainbow Warrior Basketball here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, don't forget, coming up, February, we're warning you early. We had a great time last time, great crowd. Uh, we're going to be at the really big road show number eight, myself and Josh Pacheco, along with live guests on location. Uh, it's going to be Growler, Hawaii, February 22nd, 5 to 7 p.m. We're going to have a lot of fun. Keep listening for details on who our guests will be. We'll be releasing that as they come in here on ESPN Honolulu. Great win for the University of Hawaii men's basketball team last night. They're back in action tomorrow against Cal State Fullerton. Joining us, joining us now on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline, the voice, but play-by-play for University of Hawaii basketball, getting ready for baseball and softball as well. Our very own Josh Pacheco. Josh, first of all, I had forgotten last night and a couple of days ago to wish you a happy birthday. So happy, happy birthday! birthday. What oh, was it thank like? You guys. What was it like for the big birthday celebration? What did you do to celebrate? Uh, we actually went out. We went out to a to a brewery in uh, Takaako. Had some uh, cheesecake afterward. It was a good night. It was uh, a good night to turn twenty one for the fifteenth time. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be saying that a lot more. We do as well. So anyway, happy birthday. Last night's game, let's talk about it, because the first half, especially when UC San Diego jumped off to that lead of 17-5, I know it was very early. I didn't have a really good feel because of the way they were scoring, how easily they were scoring. Hawaii did slowly climb back and got to within six at halftime. What was your biggest takeaway in the first half with Hawaii? 
yeah, Hawaii defensively was was very much out of rhythm, um, and it wasn't UC San Diego's best score that was getting it done in Bryce Pope. I mean, Pope really had a tough night, but it was uh, Francis Vicoria who has really kind of become one of their more important players recently with some of the injury issues with Shimongo, who was out due to a concussion. You know, well, Corey has done a little bit of everything, and you know, Raganat talks a lot about principles, defensive principles, you know, what they prepare for with every opponent and every player. And um, you could see kind of the trouble they had. I mean, well, Corey had a couple of threes in the first few minutes of the game where he had it right at the top of the arc, and the defender playing underneath was was well away from him. He was able to get a couple of threes away and knock those down. He finished one shy of his career high. So it, it came down to fundamentals and kind of following their principles, and they didn't do that. We have seen this team find itself in this position before. I mean, you have seen it very well uh, at home. We've seen it on the road a couple of times as well. And they find a way... Uh, to find some kind of positive momentum to take with them into the locker room. And, you know, Hawaii gets that basket right before the end of the first half, something we've seen before. They, right. take, some positive, they take some positivity into the locker room and come out stronger from it. And uh, uh, that was so important because their defense, which has been their calling card, their numbers statistically have been really good in conference all year long. Their calling card was not there for them. And uh, they had to awaken from that challenge and, and did a lot better job of that in the second half. And, and again, having some of that momentum from, from a positive finish uh, really did help them just kind of reset their focus. Really impressive second half by both Noel Coleman and Samuta Vea. They were okay in the first half, but, boy, in the second half they both became alive. And Samuta was doing everything. Noel Coleman started hitting threes and was just really effective. It was great to see that offensively from those two. We were reminded about Samuto Vea in that second half of the capability of the player he can be. We have seen many instances in which he'll take a shot that is out of rhythm, and then he'll take another one that's out of uh, that's out of rhythm. And he took a few of those in, in the early part of the game, which is why he was taken out so quickly. Right. And, and so our Ned came into the game. It was very obvious at that point that Samuto Vea did not have the feel of the game there. And given the team's start, Coach Gannat had to find a way to, to, to change that up, and, and so Arnett was that person to come in. But you could see in that second half, there was a three-pointer that he was open for. I want to say it was about with, with four or five minutes remaining. He was open for it at the right side angle, and he hesitated. He looked around. He, he was kind of halfway down, ready to think about shooting the basketball, and he looked left, he looked right, and he didn't take it. You could hear the, ground, the crowd groan a little bit. And that was an unsure Samuta Avea, unsure about whether he knew that he was in the right rhythm and place to take that shot. And he gave it up. Hawaii would get an opportunity to, to attack for a better shot later in that possession. But after that point, as Avea kind of questioned, kind of found himself questioning himself offensively, given how tough of a start he had in the first half, from that point it was like the light turned on and he realized, okay, right. I, I, I'm not going to take it here. I know I'm not in a position that I, I can take this shot, but I know I'll find it. I know I'll find it when I get to the rim. I know I'll find it attacking the glass and getting a chance for an offensive rebound. I know I'll do all the things that will get me in rhythm, that will get me in the right point to take some of these big shots and change the game. He is such an energy guy that um, you could see how that fueled him. The crowd rose to the occasion. He rose to the occasion with the crowd as he found his place in that second half. And we're reminded of that because usually when he scores in bunches, the team wins. And, uh, and, and they did again thanks to his burst in the second half. 
We had him on the fans' voice after the game, as you know, and I, I asked him about that. He said kind of like he let the game come to him, and he also mentioned the two dunks, especially the second half one. Oh, yeah. Which kind of woke him up as well as the crowd. And I think that was, you know, just a dunk, you might say, but you could see him, again, just get more focused, more aggressive. And, again, when he does play like that, as you said, especially scoring the way he did, that usually results in good things. Josh Pacheco joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> I wonder, did you ask him about the technical foul he got? No, I think that was for a flopping, though, so I didn't ask him about yeah. that. Yeah, I just thought what he thought about that. No, it wasn't a flop. Come on. One of the things, before I go any further, Josh, and you and I talked about it last night, I'm not sure if there's any update, but one of the officials, one of the referees had a hamstring oh, yeah. last night. And I, I had forgotten about it until you brought it up to me after the game, is that this is the same officiating crew for tomorrow night. Do, what, are, what do they do? Are there any con, uh, contingency plans if that official is unable to go tomorrow? Yeah, I got That's one. a good question. Um, <laughs> of course, Chris I got has one. a contingency plan. What is it, Chris? Thomas Yoshida. Huh? <laughs> Tommy, get out there. Put on your footlocker shirt and get out there. We need you, Tommy. <laughs> I, I don't I don't believe it he's needed on OC sixteen on Saturday, so that might be a possibility. Um you know, they they've done this now I think two years in a row where the Big West for, for cost sake, the the traveling crew they send on Thursday, they just keep there instead of flying them out the very next day and have them work Saturday. So we'll see if that official is uh, is fine to go. If not, I don't know if they can fly someone out. We have seen in instances, and I want to say it was either last year or two years ago, where there was a local official that was used, I think it was Tata Poe, in an instance oh, where an official, yeah. I think, either couldn't make his flight or, or whatever it was. So in an emergency situation, um, that has been done. Um, I'm not sure if he's got a Division II assignment uh, somewhere around the island, but that has been done. Usually the rule is they don't have local officials working during conference games, so that's Uh. why we haven't seen it. But that is a possibility. I will say the ultimate compliment to this, Gary, is we were watching the flow of the game, and the officiating to me was was really such a non-factor that I didn't realize that the third Mm. official had a hamstring injury it felt like the game was being officiated by three quiet officials all night. So, uh, in, in, in that sense, that was a, that was kind of a surprise to realize after the game. Oh, there was a there were only two officials on the floor for the final few minutes. No, nope, no kidding. Um, and that's that's a credit to the officials that they they kept the game in check as as well as I think any officiating crew has done this year. Yeah, they uh, you know because there are a lot of D two officials here. Uh, you bring up a great point about doing uh, league games because Todd Poe has done. Um, he has done a number of uh, UH basketball games, but they're all before they're not league games. So well, I'm he was saying, at the game last night too. Oh, he was. I saw him cool. at, uh, right at the halftime. It'd be like the you know the emergency goalie in hockey. It's <laughs> yeah. like suit him up from the stands. Yes. Or or hey, how about our friend Michael Morton? Michael Morton, get out there! You can do it. Sorry, I, I, I favelled for a second. Now I'm back. Yeah. You know, Josh, when you mentioned the officiating and how maybe clean they were, at halftime, Hawaii did not attempt a free throw. And that was really nuts. happened a couple of times this year where they've shot either none or one. Uh, but I think the referees let them play. When you look at the stands, one last question we'll let you go. I know you've got a big day ahead. But so, um, for Hawaii in the standings right now, still in third place, but at least they gained a game on both Long Beach State and Davis last night. I thought that was kind of significant. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get in a tiebreaker situation. You still have to play Long Beach State one more time. Uh, that's going to be big in the pyramid coming up in uh, about uh, eight days uh, next week, Saturday. 
so yeah, I mean, you, you want to win these games at home, and you want to find a way to stay out of some of these log jams as best as you possibly can. And hey, you know, I you look at those two. I'm looking above. Um, UC Santa Barbara struggled last night right. uh, against Long Beach State and was able to to sneak away with a win. And UC Irvine, who was down for a period of time against Cal Poly, was able to sneak away a home win. So we can look at you know tie for third. We can look at fifth and sixth and, and try to stay away from there. But I think the the site still has to be up uh, because as we saw last Saturday. The top three teams in the conference all lost last Saturday, and Hawaii was the highest standings team to win uh, when they beat Cal Poly. There, there really are still plenty of opportunities uh, for Hawaii to, to, to gain some ground as long as they take care of business. And uh, I look at Fullerton on Saturday after that overtime loss back in early January as the, uh, the game of the year of the moment uh, mm-hmm. because that's one, whether you want to look at a potential tiebreaker if you need to or uh, uh, just payback in general, that's a game that Hawaii certainly has uh, uh, certainly has circled. So that's going to be huge coming up tomorrow night. Well, I hope the wind doesn't affect the game tomorrow. <laughs> or the crowd, at least. That was a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually, true. All right, thanks, Josh. Uh, thank you very much. We certainly enjoy, love listening to you and Derek. What a great job you guys are doing, man. Good job. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. That's Josh Pacheco via the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia. See ya in a Kia. Oh, Cal State Fullerton. Fullerton State. Fullerton I said that State. last night because of you. Fullerton State. They used to be called that. They used to be known as Fullerton State back in the day. But anyway, hey, you want to go to the game? Be caller number two. You got to be fast. 808-296-1420. Caller number two. We got a couple of tickets to you to the game. You'll also enter to win tickets to see frankie valley at the waikiki shell march 18th so uh we're going to do that drawing coming up in a few minutes too so call in now caller number two gets it now if you're um a little young for frankie valley and the uh four seasons uh disney jr's coming to town yeah disney jr live on tour march 18th and 19th at the blaisdell concert hall all your kids' favorite Disney friends are going to be there, Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Daffy and everybody else. Also, Marvel's Spidey and his amazing friends. Huh? That's like this little cartoon. with like it's Spy- He's like a little kid Spider-Man. And he has like four friends. They're all different types of Spider-Mans, too. You can tell that my grandkids were visiting <laughs> from the mainland for about a yeah, week. Yeah, right. Marvel's <laughs> Marvel's Spidey and his amazing friends will be there, too, at Disney Junior Live. Get your tickets now. They're on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Good job on you. Congratulations, Tracy. From Kapiolani. Tracy just got a couple of tickets to see the uh, Rainbow Warriors take on Fullerton State tomorrow night at the Stan Sheriff Center. 
And uh, earlier today we were uh, talking about the NFL awards, and congratulations to the New York Jets. They did something that um, was just hasn't doesn't happen very often in the NFL. They got the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Last time that happened, it was the Saints with Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore. Um, that was before Marshawn Lattimore is carrying around handguns in his car. <laughs> the uh, and then and before. Alvin Oh, yeah, gosh, don't even get me started on that guy. I don't know how that guy's even still in the league with all the stuff that he's done. Anyway, uh, and then the time, the only time it happened before that was with the 1967 Detroit Lions with Mel Farr and Lem Barney. And I thought, wow, I would have thought that it happened with the Chicago Bears because, you know, they drafted in 1965 Dick Butkus and right afterwards Gale Sayers. Or vice versa. I think Butkus was picked first. Oh, he was. Thank you, Tanner. Butkus was like the, you know, both top five picks, something like that. But in, they didn't start separating offensive and defensive rookies of the year until 1967. And Tanner Hayworth, his research is better than yours. T- Tanner Hayworth did some research in 1965, rookie of the year voting, because they only had one, not an offensive or defensive. Rookie of the year was Gale Sayers, of course, was a running back. Second was a, uh, what was the guy's name? Frank Willard, Bill Willard? Ken Willard uh, was a fullback. Uh, So he was second. Dick Butkus was third. So if they had separated offensive and defensive rookies of the year, the Bears would have got that in 1965. What a crazy draft that was. You get the, you get two Hall of Famers back-to-back. Now, the Steelers uh, beat that in 1974 when they got four Hall of Famers in one draft class. <laughs> crazy, man. Who was it? Uh, let me see if I can go off of memory. It was 1974. Was it Jack Lambert, uh, Mike Webster, Lynn Swan? I want to say John Stallworth. Not Jack Ham. No, Jack Ham was there be, uh, before um, okay. before uh, Jack Lambert. Um, but yeah, Jack Ham was he's in the Hall of Fame, but uh, he was there, you know, with Andy Russell and him were pretty established already. Jack Ham from Penn State? No. Lambert's from yeah. Penn State. Oh, he's from Penn. Uh, okay. Okay. But I wonder about wait the Wait a minute. What, what did you say? What did you just say? I said Penn State. Yeah. Jack Ham is from uh, Jack Ham is from Penn State. Jack Lambert is from not not Penn State. Gary, I you know during the break I'll teach you about football. Really? <laughs> it's a hard one. I'm giving you a hard time. Kent State. Oh, I was actually Kent thinking State. that for a second. Yeah, but, Kent State. Pretty amazing. Hey, hey, real quick on on Kent State because James Harrison went to on Kent who? State. Real quick on Kent, who? Kent State. Yeah. Because James Harrison went there. Sure. It, it was the anniversary a couple of days ago of the of the fumble return for like ninety something yards in the Super Bowl against Arizona, and there was a little. I mentioned on that on Twitter, and they said Mike Tomlin was asked about that, I guess, recently, and James Harrison was talking about it as well. And he said when he ran it for a touchdown, Tomlin approached him and just said, great play, and he goes, I'm really tired. I'm really tired yeah. from that run. But that was an incredible play, but that's what made me think of uh, Kent State as well. But going back to the Bears with those draft picks, they had to be both first-rounders, obviously. So when you're drafting t- twice in the first ten, like the Jets did with Sauce Gardner and G- Garrett Wilson, you're going to have a much better chance. Very 
rarely will the team get two picks in the top eight, top ten. Giants did it last year. Jets did it last year. And obviously the Bears did it back then when there weren't as many teams. Also, that would be even more impressive, though, that they were able to draft great players like that. By the way, uh, before we uh, uh, go to break, uh, famous uh, alumni, alumnus, alums from Kent State in the NFL. We mentioned Jack Lambert. Uh, also, well, Joshua Cribs, he wasn't a great, you know, but he was from Kent State. James Harrison, as you said. Julian Edelman from the oh, Verizon right. commercials. <laughs> Julian Verizon Edelman commercials. went to Kent State. And Antonio Gates. Wasn't Edelman and, a quarterback there? Uh, I, uh, I think so. I think he, yeah. Uh, but uh, Antonio Gates, Kent State. Didn't play football, but Kent State. There you go. He'll be up. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Did, didn't Nick Saban coach there at one point too as an assistant? I don't know. I do not know. It's eight forty-eight with the sports animals, and uh, well, uh, everyone who won this week is qualified uh, to win two tickets to speaking to the Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. It's coming up March 18th at the Waikiki Shell. Tickets are on sale now. We're going to give away a pair coming up next. We'll do our draw, our drawing on ESPN Honolulu. The BAMP Project is bringing Frankie Valley in the four seasons to the Waikiki Shell. March 18th, tickets are on sale now. We're giving away tickets here at ESPN Honolulu. And uh, Tanner Hayworth has our uh, qualifiers from this week. Uh, he has them in a, uh, what, what did he have last week, an expensive jar? What, what an were expensive glass jar. Of, <laughs> I have no idea what happened to it. It's like someone oh, must have no. stolen it, melted it down or something. Oh, what is Charles? I don't hey, know what happened to it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who was there last? Was Elizabeth Me, last? Me, I was the there studio? last. <laughs> or uh, Keegan. Uh, Must have been Keegan. Uh, Keegan or Elizabeth back there. They took the expensive jar home. <laughs> How expensive was it, actually? Now I, have to, now I have to put all these names on the floor and just blindly pick. <laughs> you don't okay. have a soda cup around, I you guess, You think huh? we'd have the budget for this. Uh, as Rick Dees used to say on the radio, we have no budget. Okay, so throw them on the ground. See which one. See which one turns face up or something. How are you going to do oh, this? I mean, I just did that, and one did turn face up. All right, and who is it? Looks it Looks like it is Mike, uh, earlier winner from today. Mike from Diamond Head. Yeah, Mike that from Diamond Head. That always happens. That always happens. That the person from this day is the actual winner. Well, congratulations, Mike from Diamond Head. Not only. Did he win Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets from his official audio home of UH Sports? Also, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, make us the official radio station of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. He's got he's 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 got a date night tomorrow night. He's got date night on March 18th. Good job. Yeah, Frankie Valley, great concert. I've seen him twice here in Hawaii and on Oahu, and uh, yeah, you're gonna love that concert. Still sounds great. Still sounds great. And, uh, you know, Super Bowl coming up, we haven't given a prediction. And I've been going back and forth almost every day thinking it could be this team or that team, Philly or KC. I'm leaning towards Kansas City today. I know the Eagles are favored. I know they've got that great defense. I think experience is going to be a factor in this game, whether it's the coaching experience or the players who have been in the Super Bowl. And a lot of these Chiefs have been. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs by three in this game. 
there's about, what is there, about seven guys on the Eagles who were on their last Super Bowl winning team. I'm going to still say, and I, I don't, I, you know who I'm going to be rooting for? I'm going to be rooting for whoever's behind at the time. That's who I'm going to be rooting for. But I think if you want a prediction out of me, I'm going to stick with the Philadelphia Eagles because of that probably one of the, the best offensive line we've seen in a Super Bowl, and they got such a great defensive line. It's uh, I, The guys in the trenches are going to win it for the Eagles. That's what I'm going with the Eagles. And I'm, again, going with uh, I'm going to go with uh, 24 to 17. Artie Wilson and on point coming up next on ESPN Honolulu.